Hey guys, welcome to the Self-Evident Podcast. It is Sunday night, 7 p.m. I'm Mike. We've got Massey. What's up? Guys, this is the last week that we are doing the Self-Evident Podcast on Sunday nights at 7 p.m. Next week, we will be live at 9 o'clock a.m. on Saturdays. Remember, 9 o'clock a.m. on Saturdays. We'll be reminding you all week. We moved it. We felt that would be a better time. That way you can watch your football. You can you know, watch the Lions lose if you want. Um, but Stafford's winning, so that's good. But <laughs> be sure to tune in. Be sure to subscribe. Be sure to watch. Be sure to make sure that you're leaving likes, you're sharing, commenting. Let us know how you feel. Let us know what you want us to talk about. Cool. And if something happens where you can't tune in live, you're more than welcome to check it out on YouTube. You can check it out on Facebook after it's done. Go through our videos. You can check it out on Spotify, iTunes, all of the podcast platforms. That being said, guys, check out our merch too. Don't forget, 1776truth.store. Check out the t-shirts. I got one on. Massey's got one on. Of course. Hey, guys, also, don't forget to share this with your friends. The more shares, the more views, the more views. We break the cycle of silencing, guys, because we know it's happening. We don't care. Yeah. We're going to keep doing what we do, right? It always happens. But we're also getting some major, again, hits on, on SoundCloud and all these other places, so it's great. Uh, but if you're on Facebook, tell us where you're from right now. Take a minute. Share the video. If you're on Instagram, hi, Jemmy. Uh, you know, th just there's a lot of people tuning in, especially on YouTube. Hey, guys, comment where you're from if you're watching on YouTube. Uh, and please comment throughout this thing. Guys, we have a very uh, important and special guest uh, tonight. But the reason we want you to comment is because all of us have questions. Now, you're probably going to have questions we've answered 100 times. Maybe you haven't heard uh, a lot of the answers, and we're totally down to answer those things. But be patient with us because, hey, there's a lot of questions and a lot of comments. So, again, Comment below where you're from. Share this video with your friends. Get them on here and let's get moving. All right, let's get started. Let's roll right into news bits. We want to get to our guests, so we'll go through this fast. Let's go to slide number one. So National Review, I thought this was, this was good for us to kind of discuss because this goes to the main topic a little bit. National Review had an article out discussing teacher licensing. Now, you may think, well, what do I really care? I want to ask you, what would happen if you did away with teacher licensing? And, and we're just asking the question because this is something to think about. Mass, I think there are a lot of people who are not happy with the education system and where it's headed. I wouldn't say it. Yeah, I would say that. <laughs> so maybe there's things that we've got to change up. You know, I mean, it, it also, too, it's like you, you look at who's teaching our children, right? Any person getting into teaching does it. Well, let me take that back. There's teachers, obviously, with agendas. We know that. But for the most part, we know teachers who get into this just to teach kids. The problem right. is, what if they're taught wrong how to teach kids? What if they're taught socialistic tendencies to teach kids? What if they're taught how to destroy America and not even knowing it? Like, it's just all subtle, right? It's just like the freaking uh, wolf in sheep's clothing. You know what I mean? These guys are going into these areas. And, and it, again, Satan's not going to show up with a pitchfork, horns, and a red suit. You know what I mean? And a tail. He's going to show up as an, he's disguised as an angel of light. He's going to do this behind closed doors. Who is teaching our kids? Now, when we say people with teaching certificates, let's get real here. Who's teaching them? Right. The current academia? Because current academia is destroying God in those colleges, just being honest, right? Yeah. And let's get into that. So licensure requirements, what does it take? On average, costs about $25,000 and takes about 1,500 hours for a person to get a license. So considering what you could earn if you weren't stepping into teaching, 
you're figuring the costs are even higher. Now, this is not to say, hey, don't be a teacher. We want our best. We want our brightest teaching, but the incentives aren't there. So people start going into other areas, other fields. Yep. So the nation's 1,250 teacher preparation programs, and this remember, this is from National Review. They attract candidates with SAT math scores lower than those of the modal English major and verbal scores lower than those of the typical math major. In other words, these scores are, are, are below average and they're getting attracted into it. I, I, this might be an offensive quote to some, but I'm just kind of saying it. Kurt Vonnegut said, you know, the dumbest people in universities are in the education department. And then the second dumbest are in the English department. Guess what? I had an English degree. <laughs> you had so, an English degree. Though <laughs> so I will never say, I will never say you're stupid because I think you're probably, I was saying, I was talking about that today. You're seriously hmm. one of the smartest dudes I've ever been around. Thank That's you. not saying much because I had like a one point nothing GPA. <laughs> so you, <laughs> but you surround yourself with smart guys. So that's I'll how it, it works, dude. I'm telling you the college educated people will work for their peers. Those who are CD average will own them dudes who have the, I'm telling you, dude, God is good. <laughs> really? Really? What a backhanded compliment on that one. <laughs> Despite this, okay, there's not a whole lot of difference between the people with certi certifications, those certifications. without certifications. <laughs> the Aspen Institute found 7% of superintendents and 13% of principals think a certification guarantees a teacher is capable to be effective. In other words, a very small majority of those in charge actually think the certification does something. So National Review says, and I quote, the American Association of Colleges of Teacher Education champions, and this is where we get into the whole social justice thing, champions the integral role educator preparation programs play in advancing scholarly work on critical race theory. I'm sorry, you're there to teach math. That's right. You're not there to teach how math is racist. It continues and urges them to resist recent federal attacks. Exactly. Look at that. The agendas. Now, the agenda. if you guys are going to be around, Revive Church is having a Moms for Liberty group coming out October 18th. We're going to be talking about the education system, how it should be, how it should have been, what they should be teaching, and should we and, even have public schools in the first place? And our, our guest is really going to help nail this. Now, going to nail it in a more nuanced way. In yes. A, 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 we're Very excited. Clear way. Um, you're not going to get the extremists one end or the other. You're, you're going to get a good analysis of this system. Yes. So, anyways, back to it. Accreditation standards for teacher preparation call for candidates to inventory their personal biases so as to promote equity, diversity, and inclusion. At the nation's largest teacher preparation programs, two in five faculty say that their area of study includes equity, race, or diversity. And about a third of these scholars employ a critical race theory perspective. If 33% are including critical race theory perspective, which this, I, I had kind of a debate, although the person didn't respond, which was too bad, but they were, they were championing critical race theory. And what I said was, but it's a lens. It's something to look through. Right, right, So it right. colors everything. So that's what they mean by critical race perspective is it's not just, hey, this is a theory. It's a, this colors everything. Right. This answers everything. And you have to understand once a person is looking through that lens, they will see critical race theory everywhere they go. 100%. That's the whole thing. I look at the, the world through a biblical worldview. I kind of have to. I'm a pastor, right? Like, or just I'm a Christian. I have a biblical worldview 
on everything that I see, right? Now, is everything affected by that biblical worldview? Absolutely, but it could also be affected by a pagan worldview or a critical race theory worldview. Because let's be honest here, guys, government has now become religion. Uh, critical race theory has become a religion. We have more belief in that. Uh, science has now become a religion, and people always hated when Christians would say that. Science is a religion, right? All hail Dr. Fauci, the FDA, and all those guys because they know what is best for us because no matter what they say, we're going to follow it anyway, right? So we see where government has now become a religion, and yet they're going – it's so crazy. They'll condemn religion in one turn and say we can't get involved, separation of church and state. Yet if you don't follow them, they condemn you publicly, right? right? That's bad religion. Seriously, bad. God, Christ never condemns, and if you're a Christian condemning people, you're in the wrong. you got to repent because it's not scriptural. It's not scriptural at all, right? But that's what's been happening. Things out there now have replaced God. And we trust more in science than the word of God in a lot of ways. Nobody's saying doctors are bad. That is not what we're saying. I'm saying when the trust goes where, hey, I trust my immune system. Hey, you know what? Forget my immune system. Get off this topic. I have God-given rights that you can't touch. I have freedom of bodily autonomy. I have the freedom to choose. That's it. Forget the vaccines. Forget all this stuff. I have rights before God. Government can't touch it. Read, read the First Amendment. Read all 10 of them, right? The Bill of Rights and all these things. Read the preamble to the Bill of Rights. In order for this not to be misconstrued, that's why they wrote this, right? And so here we are saying it's not about uh, everything has a lens. If you love big government, that's your lens. If you love critical race theory and you want to stay on, on uh, a victim mentality, honestly, let's get real. You can hate me if you want. That's the lens you're going to view all of life in. If you think feminism should rule and masculinity is toxic, that is the lens that how you will view things the rest of your life. You will never trust a guy doing the right thing because he's doing the right thing with his heart. You always look at it and go, what's his motive? Right? Which and is the same thing with critical race. That's theory, what I'm right? saying. Yeah. Oh, I didn't. Sorry, I didn't mean to. I'm done. I'm done. Good? Hey, okay. yeah, I'm good. I'm, I'm a. <laughs> woo! Here we go. He's, Coffee's he's working. fired up now. Coffee's working. <laughs> so. The question comes back, and the whole reason that I brought this up was I want you guys to think about, have we put all of our faith in the licensing system? Now, we've, we very quickly go, well, how will we tell if they're good or not? The same way we do it in the free market principle. And, and this is something just to think about. Are we hiring people based on merit and based on what they can actually prove to us that they can do? Or are we hiring people based on the fact that they have a license and so therefore they must be good? You know what I mean? Like this, this is something that we have to think about is have we, have we gotten lazy in our process because the license is there? So therefore they must know what they want. But what happens when that license process becomes twisted, becomes off kilter, becomes more, more invested in teaching social justice than it is in teaching the fundamentals? But isn't there a lot of different things going on right now that will hinder a license? Like you can't practice, I think now, what is it, nursing, if you don't get a jab, oh, can't get your license, right? Yeah, I mean, there's all kinds what, of stuff there. So, so what I'm saying is like that. Yeah. in the name of law and safety, they're taking away liberty in order for you to practice who you truly are. And if you didn't ascribe to the worldview, are we really going to issue a teaching license because you don't understand what you should be teaching? You know what I mean? And it's scary. And that's that's exactly what that article was was expanding on is now all of a sudden social justice and critical race theory and that kind of thing is starting to become a requirement in order to get the license. Ooh. Well, what if I don't agree with this Bingo. worldview? All of a sudden I'm held out from getting a license. Now that doesn't happen everywhere. No. But more and more critical race theory perspective classes are becoming required. Which means you have to pass that class in order to be able to get that license. 
this is an issue that we have to think about in terms of education. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. Now, guys, don't forget share where you're from or share the video. Comment where you're from. We love hearing from you guys, especially you guys on YouTubers, the YouTube, the interwebs. So uh, all that. Let we me love add, you. Let me ask a couple of questions, and then we'll go ahead and get to our guests. So I want you to ask yourself these questions. Do we feel education as a whole is producing? Do we feel it could be greatly improved? Yes. Do we like the direction that our classrooms tend to be headed? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Might it be time for a change in how we approach the education of our children? And so we can put everything up and say, all right, maybe we need to drastically change this. Maybe we need to change this whole process. You. I'm going to start humming Amazing Grace for you. <laughs> so the question is, what would it look like to take the control out of education programs? They won't disappear. They would refine if they knew the students were taking the courses in order to be prepared to compete for a job in a field. Not a license that gets them a job. The power out of the unions that force compliance to the associations and give a big hit to the more ideological components. This might be something to think about. Amazing Grace. If you think about it, <laughs> Grace empowers you to overcome these issues. Look, we know there's a change needed. Look, someone was talking to me earlier today, and I'm going to empower you who are Christians who are listening to this. If you're not a Christian, I get it. Hear me out. They were saying, oh, it's just, it's getting so crazy out there. And they're like, we've been praying for the mercy of God over this country oh, for so long. And it's like, it's already here. And it took them back a little bit. I respect these. I, I love those two. They're amazing. I said, it's already here because God's already through his mercy showing us what is wrong. Right. He's showing us how corrupt it's become so that we can stand against what they're doing. That is the mercy of God is to show you where you're wrong. So he gives you the grace and empowerment to overcome what's going on. That's the whole point of this, right? God is, he has shed his grace on us. He has shed his mercy on us. It's time for us to give it back to him now. Amen. It's time for us to obey, right? Because again, we can complain and we all do it. We all, I mean, the, the worst thing you can do with truth is know it all and do nothing with it. And all you do is complain. You've right. done become a victim. Ooh, That's all you do is become a victim. And there, you're no good on either side. And we don't need that anymore in America. We need people who are going to stand against us. Now, there's many ways you can do that. Shameless plug, January 14th and 15th, look out. We're doing a conference. <laughs> Here in Stewart, Florida, we will be doing a great conference. You'll see more details about it. It's going to be called Truth to Power. Look for it because we're going to empower you how to get involved locally. We're going to show you step-by-step -step on how the law works, our constitution, all these things, including local governments. We're going to have great speakers come in who are part of the local government. We're praying for a person who's a state rep right now to be a part of this whole thing, to tie it all together. It's going to be amazing. We want you to be a part of it. But look out for those details. It's going to be good. Amen. So let's get to our guest, if she's still here, if she hasn't run wildly from us. She's, I mean, pro <laughs> she's probably thinking, what whack job, uh, what, what whack job what, podcast what did I become back part of? Alley show you can see her right now on the of. screen. <laughs> I can see her in the small screen right now. She's like, oh, geez. Jeez. <laughs> so let me go ahead and introduce. Let's let's throw up second slide. So this is Bonnie Snyder of FIRE, Foundation hey. for Individual Rights and in Education. So she's been an educator with 20 plus years of experience in a variety of roles in different institutions. She's been a teacher, counselor, administrator, and professor. So she's, she's hit all these areas, guys, in both public and private schools. New, New Jersey native, get this, 
honors graduate of Harvard University. Man, (laughs) we honor you. (laughs) With a master's degree in counseling from Virginia Tech. Oh, boy. And a doctorate in higher education from Penn State. The fact she's still here is amazing. She is the (laughs) author of The New College Reality, The Unemployed College Graduate Survival Guide, Finding Your Voice, a Free Speech Comic in... And Dang. this book that you need to check out because this is the stuff we're going to be checking. Yes, you got to check the book about. out, girl. Undoctrinate how politicized classrooms harm kids and ruin our schools and what Ooh. we can do about it. My best part, she loves to go to Hershey Bears hockey games. Bring her on in, Croft. Bonnie, are you there? I'm here, yeah. So I... I this <laughs> first <I'm>, off, <laughs> please forgive our abysmal ignorance. We we've never been to Harvard. I don't even think I've stepped foot on campus there. But I did go to college. I have, but I felt out of place. <laughs> <laughs> I graduated good laude, not summa cum laude. So I'm just letting you know, I got through it. Yeah, well, you know, the better for you because I had a terrible time there, and oh, I I'm no I'm not attached to the place one bit. So how about it? <laughs> well. Still, we're honored you, you're here. You, you have just an amazing background, an amazing experience, and we really want to tap into this yep. tonight. Um, I was I was excited to get you on here because I think this is something that you can bring a lot of experience yes. and nuance to. Yep. Because oftentimes we we see the fists raised and we see the complaining, but there's not a lot of solution in how to handle these issues. And you've seen it both from the inside and the outside. So to get right into it. I want to ask you from from your experience, your wisdom, your knowledge um, through FIRE Foundation uh, for Individual Rights and in Education, What, where did this all come from? The historical, f- philosophical influence, how did we kind of get here? Um, and if you could just give us just a quick synopsis of kind of the events that led up to today. Yeah, I will try to give you a quick synopsis. I mean, <laughs> well, I think that- You go as long as you need. <laughs> Downward drift from the academy is, which, you know, you've identified a lot of the factors. The credentialization of teachers is a huge problem. The ed schools, uh, you know, I I actually was speaking, I'm in Boston, I'm in Cambridge right now, because I was at a conference of parents who are, are, ticked off. I was going to say something else. And, uh, and you know, I also, you can say it. We'll allow you. I come at this also as a parent who had to pull my kid out of a school because not only uh, was the teaching atrocious, but they, I caught them lying to me and more and more people are catching teachers who are just outright deceptive. And, you know, it's bad enough when you have bad lessons going on in the classroom, but if you're going to be a liar, then you're just a bad person and you're not a good moral role model for anyone's children. So this is happening all across the the country. So how did we get here? I mean, the, um, I would say leftward drift in the ed schools until there's no viewpoint diversity left. Um, you know, I, I actually, I, I've got my, my bags here. Cause like I said, I was just speaking at a conference and I showed a big picture of a dumpster fire to <laughs> illustrate what's, what's happening, but I held up a copy. Well, I brought, brought two books with me. One is a copy of the communist manifesto that was assigned to me six times when I was an undergraduate. And that's the Whoa. only book. I was an English major. Oh, and, five. and, um, we and weren't uh, calling them all dumb, just him. <laughs> It is fine. And uh, it, it's the only book I was assigned more than once. And uh, I told the story. I said, you know, the first time it was assigned to me, this was in the 80s, you know, kind of the crescendo of the, the Cold wow. War. 
I thought, wow, I'm pretty sophisticated. Look at me. I'm reading the Communist Manifesto. And then the second right. time they assigned it to me, I thought, um, ha, huh, the joke's on you. I already read it. Now I don't have to buy it again. And then the third time they assigned it to me, I thought, what the F is going on here? And Wait, then, no, seriously. Really? And then fourth, fifth, and sixth time, I just thought, who isn't supervising my education here? Because this is ridiculous. No kidding. Uh, the, the book that is the equivalent of that in ed schools is uh, Pedagogy of the Oppressed by Paulo Freire. I think I, I did spend some, some time in... Uh, Long story, well, short story long, uh, I, I did, I, I thought I would become an English professor. And when I encountered critical theory, um, which was really just hitting in ed, it really came out of the humanities. It came out of English, right. believe it or not. And right. mm. I was more interested in literary appreciation and I wanted to you know, uh, learn how to become a great writer, you know, like Tolstoy or like Dickens or somebody that I really admired. And all I heard in my classes was, well, Dickens, you know, Chaucer's a male. <laughs> because that determines everything. <laughs> yeah, and and wow. well, and this, this is true, awkward, but true. I, I was very depressed about it and uh, disappointed. And I'm looking at the, 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 scholarly, you know, uh, research that they're putting out. And I'm thinking yeah. I would never, I, I can't think of anything I would rather write less than this kind of whatever it, it was. It, nobody reads it. Um, right. and, uh, but I, and, you know, and so I went to my advisor and uh, I was not enjoying graduate school and you could tell that, that the spirit had left them. They were just completely drained of any, you know, joy and in their lives. And they said, you know, if you want to get a job in this field, you were going to need to specialize in lesbian literature. <laughs> and I thought, I'm done. I'm done. Like, I'm sure I've read books. Unreal. By but what is that? Why would I read a book? Because a lesbian wrote it. Why? Why? So <laughs> I left. And uh, eventually I did go back to grad school specifically to become a higher education um, uh, administrator. And right. uh, I went to Penn State. I was assigned a lot of Paulo Freire. I, I hated it. I, <laughs> I, I, um, took a long mental health break in the middle of it. And then I decided, you know, if people like me don't finish, then we'll, it, nothing will ever change. I did finish. Um, and I was never really hired. I, I worked as an adjunct faculty member. I was a teacher educator for a number of years. Um, so, so if I could just speak a little bit about teacher education. Yeah, please. Well, you know, some good news out there is I, I, earned my teaching certificate through what's called alternate route, which means I was taken straight from Harvard and thrown into a classroom and experienced teachers uh, had to supervise me. I had to, I was paid that I was given night school classes for free. There were some other really nice, excellent teachers there. The teachers who trained me were high quality. Um, and so wh when I see what's going on now, I'm just, I just look at it and I'm like, who trained you? You can't do this. There are ethical guidelines that govern the practice of teaching. This is a profession. And, right. you know, so I, I, apparently I did pick up a few things uh, uh, during that during that time. So um, the, 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 there's two kinds of ed schools, though. There, there are the ed schools that are like Harvard Graduate School of Education. Uh, and Columbia Teachers College, which are just gone. You know, they're just gone. Yeah. Um, and then there are other ones that, like, you know, my my husband is a professor. I won't, I won't name the school, but, I, but, you know, regional state university. And these are less prestigious yeah. and less cuckoo crazy puffs. Yeah. Um, so 
that, you know, I think some of the best teachers are probably coming out of of those. Um, You know, if I were a parent concerned about the teachers in my children's schools, if there's any teacher choice, sometimes you can sort of ask the principal, uh, ask for older teachers. That's my advice. Um, Hmm. Less likely to be um, extreme. That's not a guarantee. I mean, know the teacher individually. Um, but at FIRE, we fought against these, you know, social justice. It's The terminology changes. I mean, jargon in education. Always. Every couple of years, they start yeah. switching stuff up yep. to keep you on your toes, right? I think it's accelerating, too. Uh, so yeah. back in around 2005, 2006, uh, the NCATE, which is the national... It's like the accrediting agency for teacher education. Uh, they instituted dispositions that aspiring teachers were supposed to meet in order to uh, be certified. And they added social justice as one of these in fire. This is before I was at fire. They fought this and they were successful Good, uh, because they said, you know, your definition of what is just derives from your conscience uh, for a lot, you know, for a lot of people, probably most people that drives from your religious convictions. But, you know, even if you're an atheist, uh, if to be told that, you know, you see the, the big, a big lever with which to push back is it, it's one thing to talk about a theory. It's quite another thing to expect stu- students to agree or to affirm it. Uh, so even we're, we're seeing lawsuits from professors and from teachers who've had to go through, uh, some of this training, uh, you know, DEI training and, and whatnot and fires position. We only litigate at the, at the higher ed level. Uh, we educate at the K-12 level because we, we know that what the problems we're seeing in higher ed have drifted down. And if we don't reach people, younger kids, they're bringing this anti-free speech attitude to colleges. And yep. uh, so we're trying to hit it from, from multiple points. Um, are you guys, are you, so just that litigation side of that, are you guys noticing a, a strong increase in the activation of, of parents of, of yeah. you know, the oh, people, yeah. people getting involved? Like is, is fire kind of seeing this as encouraging that people yep. are starting to get involved and get in there? I am very encouraged. I started at FIRE five years ago. And, um, uh, you know, I, I at that point, I, I still I had this manuscript for the, the book that you mentioned, Undoctrinate. And I, I could not, you know, I hadn't, I had a, um, what do you call them, an agent, and she refused to promote it for me. You're and, kidding me. Oh. <laughs> Surprised. Um, yeah. even, even though she sold my other books. And, uh, <laughs> but suddenly this past year, I couldn't sell it fast enough. Like I couldn't finish it fast enough even <laughs> for, for about eight years. It was, you know, it was like her, you know, wait and then hurry up. Uh, so the sudden mobilization of parents is the most heartening thing I've seen in a long time. And I am encouraged and I, I'm optimistic. I think that, uh, you know, what can't go on forever won't. Uh, I think that the the tipping point for most parents is what, what it was for me was the deception. Right. Yes. Deception. And, you know, between a minor child and their parent, an adult keeping secrets, how creepy and sinister is that? Exactly. Which was just accelerated by the whole yeah. uh, uh, Zoom classroom ideas. Don't tell your parents. This is just between us. You know? I think, too, like it, it's funny because these ideas will eventually implode on themselves. I don't know if that makes sense, but they're going to implode on themselves for this reason. Even the, the the book you mentioned, Ped- the, the pedagogy of the, the the oppressed. If you look at what they say, like that book, I've read pieces of it. 
uh, here and there. I didn't read the whole thing um, to my detriment. I just didn't read the whole thing. But what he was basically stating, anybody who's oppressed, right, should be able to fight for their liberation. But those liberative causes should only be led by the oppressed. Well, now you're seeing elites run these oppressive groups and they're following the <laughs> elites. Eventually, it's going to turn on themselves. You well, know. I, I often make the point now that most of this ideology makes this one point that it's all about power and oppression, power right. and oppression. And who's got power? And they're taking little kids and being like, you are an oppressor and you are oppressed, which is such a disempowering message. Exactly. I mean, they're, they're inciting shame and guilt in the, right. the targeted and then the victims. It's just pitiful. Um, but I, I make the point that they're very good at seeing power and oppression, except they don't look in the mirror and realize how much power a teacher has over a student and how much power an adult has over a child. Like, uh, why don't you look, apply that lens to yourself and knock it off? I um, want you to, I want you to kind of talk about fires and like the entire mission of fire, because I met some of your uh, representatives in California. I think it was, uh, his name escapes me. Do glasses? Yes, Josh. Josh yeah, yeah. Jo he. What a great guy! And and mm -hmm. he came to the table. I went to his. We had this great discussion. We, he was cool. As I'm, I'm a pastor. You know, I'm a Christian. So he was like, you know, can you make a non biblical case for, uh, you know, uh, pro life? And I said, of course. And we had this great discussion, and it was cool. And and uh, but just to see them, young people excited about talking about liberty rights and all that stuff is what really excited me. And he said, you know, can you have our director uh, come on to the, to the, to the podcast? I'm like, we can have you come on the podcast. He's mm -hmm. like, Oh no, 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 no. I'm not well-spoken. I was like, okay, you will be though next year. So we'll probably get you on next year. Yeah. But, uh, I think you're, fire actually, you're supposed to have worked it for two years before you, um, you know, speak publicly. Maybe. <laughs> oh, got it. But he, he, you're, 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 they completely respect you there. I just kind of want you to talk about what you guys are doing is amazing. Uh, we stand behind what you're doing. Uh, fire, can you just talk fire more about is fire? Awesome, and everyone should check out fire. We are nonpartisan. Uh, we have people from all across the political spectrum and it's like it was when I was growing up. Like people say what they actually think and people go, Oh, that's interesting. And nobody hates anybody because of it. Imagine. Amazing, huh? Great. Um, you know, so our, uh, president and CEO, he is, uh, I believe he's definitely on the left and he, I believe is an atheist. I'm, I'm not, I don't want to, I believe so. Do I speak and, for him? But Yeah, I know. I think he said that. And uh, yeah. he wrote Coddling of the American Mind with Jonathan Haidt, which was a New York Times really? bestseller. Yeah. So, okay. Um, and he, you know, his, he was talking in Boston. I, I convinced him to come up because he's, I, this convention we just had this past weekend was called Parents Unite. And it's Boston private school parents who are, have, and I have been trying to get into New England since I started at Fire, and this was, and finally, it's there. Even in even in New England, they've had enough. Which that's saying something. <laughs> yeah, the private schools, because they, you, a lot of people think, well, I'm going to yank my kid out of public school and put him in private school. Well, that's just going from the fire into the fry, you know. That's into right. The, that's the right. Other, whatever the saying is, uh, right now those are even worse. And believe it or not, you have. I'm not saying you have more leverage as a public school parent than as a private school parent, because, uh, you know, in a private school, it's um, they can violate your First Amendment rights because it's, you know, freedom of association. You don't have to be there in a public school. They are bound by the First Amendment. So what we do at FIRE right. is we uh, defend constitutional rights. Mostly it is First Amendment things, uh, but it also includes due process. We've done a, uh, our lawyers. Have, most of our employees are lawyers. I'm not. But. Um, a lot of due process work with uh, Title IX and the, 
you know, the, the a couple of years ago, the rape crisis on what was it called? That was oh, the yeah. Big, yeah. Um, yeah, that was, and, and so a lot of people were being accused of things and weren't being, uh, you know, having their degree. yeah fair and proper trial. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, freedom of association. I think that we tried, we tried with Harvard's final club. I guess we kind of did win with those because, um, anyway, anyway, freedom of association, you know, you can single sex clubs and things like that. So that's, that's what we do. Uh, and we try to educate, you know, um, so, so, you know, in terms of K-12, Greg, our president, uh, Lukianoff, he has pointed out that the biggest concern for First Amendment freedoms are with the students, not with the right. teachers. Uh, teacher speech in public schools is hired speech. And I, I would say, you know, t- students and parents have rights, but teachers have responsibilities. And that's, that's why right. they're paid. That, uh, that's a perfect point. That And that gets into, you know, one of the questions that I had sent to you was this, this kind of intersection of of rights classification so if we if we could expand that so you've got parents you've got children you've got teachers so how do we how do we interact or how do we handle that intersection of rights where there's a conflict especially in the public schools uh teachers have very few first amendment rights in the classroom i actually have a a talk that i'm going to be giving at the national council for the social studies we go to a lot of conferences and uh, I go over the limits of teacher speech. And, you know, they are, and, and it's based on what, when teachers have gotten in trouble with the law and been fired and, you know, the, the firing has held up. So teachers are expected to deliver instruction that is aligned with the learning standards that are democratically adopted by the state. They, you know, the whole time I was writing Undoctrinate, I kept in the back of my mind, if I could have had any silly subtitle, it would have been, this is not a free for all people. You know, you don't just make this stuff up and you hear these teachers who are like my classroom in my classroom. Well, it, that, that classroom belongs to the public. They're paying for it. It's that's not. Right. Ooh, that's good. Public so with what happened, this is kind of a side caveat. The teacher that got busted by project Veritas in yeah. uh, California, what, what recourse, like, cause you know, a lot of these guys will be protected by the unions and all these other things. I don't know. Did he get fired or something like that? I don't. I but he he was the one that was like he had the he was teaching them all about uh, BLM and he was like a, he Project Veritas did this whole thing on him. I suppose you don't watch because you don't have social media because you hate social media <laughs> because I'm trying not to rot my brain. <laughs> all right. But what what kind of recourse should have happened immediately with that teacher if you could tell our listeners? Well, you know, teachers are licensed by the state. And the reason they're licensed by the state is because they're in a position to do harm because they're licensed the same way that a doctor is or a lawyer or even a cosmetologist, uh, because you're you have access to vulnerable people and nobody's more vulnerable than minor children. And these are not your children. For other people's children. So, uh, you know, I think, you know, in, we've had a failure of oversight. I think there have been a sure. lot of, there's been a lot of complacency. Uh, licenses can be pulled by the state and there are professional misconduct. So if you have a teacher who is uh, having a free for all in the classroom, I would look at the disciplinary code at your state department of education. You can report them. Uh, and I think that parents are having to wake up. I think there's been a lot of decades, you know, maybe centuries of, of trust, you know, this golden idea of bringing an apple to the teacher and the first day of school and lunch boxes. And they would have, you know, listen to your teacher, Johnny. And, um, I I have wonderful memories of, I I did not have one terrible K-12 educator. So yeah. Um, and there are wonder, I mean, we had some 
there are a lot, we hear at FIRE from many K-12 educators who are as upset about what's going on as the parents are. And uh, some of them are speaking up. They're in a very awkward position because their job, some of them are not tenured. Uh, some have resigned in, you know, conscientious mm -hmm. objectors. So, uh, so, you know, support, find the good teachers, support the good teachers. And, and we've got to start weeding out the bad ones. I, I, and sometimes I have sympathy for some of these teachers because I really think they don't know better because the ed schools have gotten that bad. Right. I, I did have um, a talk with Lyle Asher for uh, A-S-H-E-R. -E he wrote a great piece in the Chronicle a few years ago called the Chronicle of Higher Education called How Ed Schools Became a Menace. And he he's out in Portland, the poor guy, in a, at a college in oh. Portland, Oregon. And Oof. he um, says that every bad situation he sees on campus, when he traces it to its root, it always leads back to an ed school. Actually, the exact degree that I got, which is uh, higher ed administration, and it was bad. What The degree I got was bad. Uh, and I did it specifically to be a reformer. But I think that I was like this piece of bone that they choked on you know, the whole time I was there and, you know, I probably got blacklisted and which is why I couldn't get that kind of work, which is probably best in the long run for me. But good on you for, for sticking to your conviction totally. and, and wanting to change from the totally, inside. Totally. I, I think that's, that's awesome. You know, we, we, we come from the conservative side of things. And one of the frustrating parts is there, there tends to be a lot of looking from the outside in and not a lot of, so I'm going to get in there and change it. Right. I'm, I'm going to point my career path towards it in order to fix it. Right. And so I just, I want to give you credit of, you saw an issue and you said, so I'm going to jump in and I'm going to do this in order to fix this. Yeah. And we're not the kind of guys that are mad for mad's sake. We're not the like, and I even say this to the detriment. I know we're nonpartisan. We're actually nonpartisan. We don't, we're not Democrat, Republican. We're just constitutionalist Christians. Uh, they both to me have destroyed a lot of our, the, the destruction of public school systems happened for both parties. You know what I mean? It's under right. both parties, under both rule. Yeah. So it's not to me a, a partisan issue here. Well, what the, I will, yeah, go sorry. ahead. The Christian thing is so interesting, and I'm really wrapping my head around it because um, I did actually have to read the entire Bible as uh, at Harvard. Uh, well, it used to be required. I think I took it as an elective, and because you can't really understand in much of literature without understanding all of the allusions, so I took it right. you know in a secular way. Uh, and I listen to what they're talking about and what they're imposing in schools right now is a completely new morality. Uh, and it oftentimes is in direct conflict with the Judeo-Christian morality that families are bringing their kids up with at home. And there is a lawsuit in Nevada uh, and the, the mom who has filed it is was at this conference in, in Boston. Uh, and Ooh. she said like she has she has the receipts. This teacher, <laughs> young teacher, actually told them, you are going to have to do some unlearning of your Judeo-Christian upbringings in this classroom. Bro. Well, this is a secular school. And uh, you, you know, I do appreciate that in a public school, evangelical teachers have had to rein it in. I'm sure there was a time when, you know, maybe Jewish children were expected or, or whoever were expected to pray to Jesus. And uh, that's, you know, violating their religious rights in secular education. So little by little, there's a great speech by Bill Barr, the former attorney general, and he talks about this and he says, you know, 
that's what school was for a long time. The prayer in schools was included and then lawsuits happened and little by little, we removed morality and it created this vacuum. And now this new morality, he says, it has seeped in and it is completely antithetical to the moral systems that uh, most of us are familiar with. And can I give you an example? Yeah, sure. absolutely. Yeah, uh, well, I'm, I'm trying to wrap my head around this, but first I want to tell you part of my speech in Boston, and then I want to talk about the golden rule, which is one of the last surviving vestiges that most schools still sort of adhere to as a lowest common denominator moral mm -hmm. agreement uh, in our culture. Yeah, and um, Harvard, this past, just recently, I talked about my in my speech about unanimity and this idea that we we one of the things at Fire that we do is we defend dissenters. And Greg, who is I, I believe a professed atheist, he always starts with this slide, and he's like, we in in the West in the world do a terrible job of uh, handling dissenters, and he shows. Uh, Socrates drinking the hemlock. He shows someone being burned at the stake and he shows Jesus on the cross. And he's like, this is what we do to dissenters. We make them drink hemlock. We crucify them. Uh, and, and dissenters often are the best truth tellers in our society. Uh, and so, and then he talked about, several people talked about conformity, like in schools, in education schools, in academia, and my husband talks about it all the time, they'll have a vote in faculty senate, and they're not satisfied with winning the vote. They demand consensus, right. and they will come for you if you are just voting against it. And it's this weird it's this weird itch that they seem to need to scratch. To scratch. I'm fine with losing a vote, majority rule, I get it. Just, just take the vote. Um, so, so that's happening. Uh, but the the what happened at Harvard is Harvard was founded as a as a Christian as a seminary, right? Sixteen thirty something, sixteen thirty seven. Sixteen thirty. I should know. I don't know. Thirty seven. Oh, yeah. I think. Thirty seven. Thirty eight. Yeah. And uh, you know, obviously before America, and it was because we dreaded to leave an illiterate ministry to the churches. Uh, and I get that it's become increasingly secularized and it's been called godless Harvard, among other things like Moscow on the Hudson. I mean, on the Charles, rather. It's on the Charles. <laughs> movie. Uh, but, Just a um, couple of names. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of nicknames for Harvard. And so uh, they recently <laughs> had a unanimous vote. Uh, um, and, I sh and I brought two books. I brought the Communist Manifesto and I brought my hymnal. Uh, I used to work as a, um, I volunteered as an usher in the, uh, the Memorial Church because Peter Gomes, was an amazing uh, minister at that time. And, uh, you know, you can look up some of his old sermons on uh, on YouTube because he is a, just a phenomenal speaker. And it was just mm. so literate. And so I, I learned more from him in the Memorial Church. And I'm talking about not just, I'm talking about history and about, uh, you know, philosophy. And he was just a, a very literate, extremely intelligent, uh, amazing human being. Well, they just uh, unanimously elected an atheist as the head chaplain at Harvard. Yeah, that's right. We yeah. heard about that. We, yeah. we actually covered that, didn't we? we? Did. Yeah. Yeah. And I brought this up and I made a joke because I've, I, you know, in my book, I talk about the many reasons why indoctrinating kids is um, short changes them. And I, I went into the philosophical reasons, the pedagogical, the emotional, the uh, ethical, the democratic, the developmental, the legal, but I left out spiritual because I didn't really right. feel, I didn't feel qualified. And, um, and I've been thinking about it ever since I, I turned in the manuscript. So I, I, maybe I'll do an article on that. Um, and, and uh, but I, I made a joke and I said, um, like, 
I'm no theologian. And then I said, but apparently neither is the head chaplain at Harvard. So I'm gonna go. <laughs> and, um, and a woman came up and took me to task afterwards. And apparently she might have been involved in that vote. And, well, uh, she needs to stand by her vote. <laughs> well, and I, you know, and I, and I said, well, hey, okay, you disagree with me. That's fine. I'm fine with that. I said, I, I, you know, I would support your right to disagree, but she couldn't, you know, she hectored me and she kept hectoring right. me. And she couldn't leave me alone. And I was, you know, I'm like, it's, I'm like, I, I don't see it that way. And she finally said, but isn't, I said, doesn't secular humanism have enough scope to operate at Harvard? Does it really need the church as well? <laughs> and, um, and she didn't really understand. And she just kind of asked me again and again and again until finally I sort of, you know, made it clear I was done. And um, yeah, so, so, but, but then she, oh, she said to me, but isn't it a good thing that we've moved on from that? And it didn't hit me until the next morning. And I thought, well, who are we? Who right. are we? There's this, there's this idea that you must join us. And kids are feeling that pressure. Kids are feeling bullied by their teacher. They're feeling Absolutely. Yeah. And and that that you there must be unanimity. We must have consensus. Uh, don't dare disagree. And so, you know, this is not a proper education for people in a free republic. Uh, this is not how you train people for self-government. Because it, 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 so that's the word. That's how you right. treat for authoritarian rule. Right. right. And, and what it does away with is actually critical thinking, right? So yeah. what, what's education okay. supposed to be, but teaching somebody how to learn, not just putting the facts in their minds, but teaching right. them how to learn. Right. And what we're finding is, you know, you were talking about this consensus idea and the immediately what I thought of were struggle sessions from Maoist China. Oh, yeah. You know, this, this idea of we will berate you and beat you until you Shame understand. You. Right. Shame you, humiliate you. Yeah. Right. I think that's the difference though. Like when, when I think about like past education here in America, you know, there was, the Congress had printed in 1782 Bibles for schools, all these other things. The one thing that Madison had said, though, was if you have to force someone to believe the way that you believe, and this was a Christian, he was a, he was a Christian. He basically said, you are violating the Holy Spirit. So yeah. what happens is Christians become jerks and they're not even really talking. About, I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. If you have to force someone to be a Christian, you're probably not you're one. You're doing it wrong. Yeah, you're probably not one because you're not ascribing to the things of God. I think in a lot of ways... It, uh, it was Benjamin Franklin that said, not everybody at the history was a Christian. He said, but there wasn't a person alive who didn't hear over a thousand sermons in their lifetime. So it was a common morality that happened. There was Christians, there were non-Christians, but we all had this common morality because there were different people of different faiths. There, of course there was. There was atheists, there was all those things, right? And for 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 what's happening now, it has not even, it's not even to do with religion. It's destroying the kids' thinking into, we, don't, we can't self-govern ourselves, so we need a bigger government to do it for me. And it always ends up in oppression. So and, the and more they can destroy a moral inward fabric, if they can destroy integrity, if they can destroy your calling, if they can destroy your masculinity, if they can destroy, I'm talking about on a male side, female mm -hmm. side, same thing. Then we have to depend on someone to take care of us. They love that because then it turns into government and God, you know? Well, I'm going to make you feel a lot better. A lot of students don't like this either. And uh, no, I know that it's waking up. Praise God. I'm saying praise God. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and students are starting to organize. We had students at this group and they're meeting online and, you know, if anybody, 
Yeah, if anybody, and they are sharp, uh, and they know exactly what's going on. So if anybody's interested in that, you can write to me at highschooloutreach at thefire.org. I can, you know, if you have kids who might be interested because they're looking to get more kids involved. I mean, people, Maya Angelou said, you know, people don't remember what you said. You, you remember how they made you feel. And, right. you know, people don't like being treated like this. I think it was Dale Carnegie said, a man convinced against his will is of the same opinion still. I take, I hope in that, People are not learning the lessons that these teachers are, are teaching necessarily. They sort of listen to it and they think, well, you're the worst advertisement for this because you don't let me speak. You don't let, you know, I hate your class. And uh, so bad lessons can uh, be good learning experiences sometimes. And I, I would also say, parents, you know, you need to interrogate your kids after school. Well, that sounds terrible. You know, you, you, know, you need to debrief them uh, and you know, go over the lessons and maybe correct them and, and balance them and give them supplemental uh, materials. And I have a, a suggestions on that as well that I'm happy to email to people. Uh, the other th Because they really are attacking the underpinnings of Western civilization, obviously the Judeo-Christian enlightenment, uh, which is really the foundation of all of it. Uh, right. but you know, our, our system of laws, they're attacking that. They're attacking objective truth, uh, the idea of it, that there's no such thing. And it's um, a problem. It's a little bit of a problem. Yeah. And there that, you know, that as an aside, that gets into, I remember uh, Dr. Jordan Peterson and Sam Harris did a, a, a debate series talking about, you know, that underpinning of, of Judeo-Christian values. And, and Peterson was saying, look, you can't get rid of this because this is what you've built everything on. And Harris was saying, well, we've got to where we are, so now we can get rid of it. And so there was this whole argument going on of, and Peterson, I, I think, was right personally of saying, but you can't get rid of it because everything will collapse because you've already built on top of it. Yes. And that idea of objective truth and what we're going through right now, especially with our education system is, so you, you had brought up Marx, um, you brought up the Communist Manifesto, so I get a wedge in now. Uh, so Marx, the whole thing was deconstruction. It, it was critical everything. It was deconstruct all of this. Well, what do you have left if you tear it all apart? Right. Now, Marx always said, you know, we'll, we'll rebuild into the utopia, but that's the trick is you never can. And you see a lot of this ideology coming through of let's tear down the whole system. Let's start from scratch. But it's you can't get there. And why would you tear down something that's been so successful and so it's it's taken thousands of years right. to get to this point? Why do we all of a sudden decide we're smart enough to tear it all down and start again? You know, well, and why, why are we suddenly listening to listening to another dead white male? <laughs> right oh, right jeez <laughs> i like that that's good i got that from charles love that's to you charles would you mind would you mind answering a couple of questions lisa from the or i'm sorry bonnie. bonnie i was reading lisa's comment uh there's some people who are like educators and i'm wondering if you could like just kind of shed some light on what they're asking i'll try okay uh, here's Lisa. She said, Lisa Keller, she said, the reality is there's little oversight in our classroom. School boards and administrators really don't know what materials are included in curriculum packages, nor do they know what an appropriate curriculum should look like for a particular subject in grade level. Administrators cannot be in my classroom every hour, every day. I'm opposed to video surveillance in my classrooms. Do we really want our children trained to think that it's normal to be on surveillance all the time? What say you to that? Yeah, the, the, uh, this, this is a teacher or a parent? Uh, I, both. Both. Okay. Yeah. Um, 
the problem is, you know, teachers had a, a lot of freedom and operating scope back in the days when we trusted them. And a lot of that trust has been squandered, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. And I, I warned that at the end of my book and already it's come to pass, you know, in more than 20, uh, more than half the states. Now there are legis there are uh, proposed or enacted legislations banning certain concepts from being uh, promoted in classrooms, which is these checks, uh, you know, we have a decentralized system of education in the United States of America, which is a really good thing when bad ideas are on the march. Right. Uh, this mm. one is, you know, metastasizing pretty quickly. And uh, I don't think that people should be surprised that legislators are uh, invoking their right to govern the curriculum in schools. That being said, there's always been a generous amount of looking the other way, trusting mm. in the inherent ethical conduct of teachers. Well, teachers are being reined in, and this is the, co the cost of broken trust. Um, I have mixed feelings myself on classroom, on cameras in the classrooms. Uh, I know that some of our lawyers at FIRE are very opposed to it. It has its own problems where, where it can chill speech of students. Right. Uh, it's probably intended to chill the speech of teachers, and perhaps rightfully so. Uh, to monitor them, but it might have the side effect of making kids feel really uncomfortable. Uh, so my, I guess my response to that is let's get it together teachers or else this is what's going to happen. Yeah. 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 I think video surveillance is, is what's tricky about it is even just on a governmental side, right? The more we give someone else authority to watch over me, I've given them that authority now to do it. And it never stops. Once it goes to the, to, to a classroom, they can put it on. Honestly, TV sets. If you're not watching it, that actually says it on when I fired up my uh, this one here, the monitor, it's like, you know, hey, this could be sold to companies. You know, we have the right to view. And it's like weird stuff. And I'm not into conspiracies like that. I, I don't care. But what I'm saying is and they're true. A lot of them are true. But well, we, we wouldn't know about the Antifa teacher were it not for that was secret recording, I guess. And it, we wouldn't know about a number of incidents were it not for kids with cell phones. So uh, regardless, there are cameras in classrooms because every kid probably has a cell phone. Sure. Uh, right. You know, I can't even imagine being a kid and feeling that I needed to surveil my own teacher because that crazy? I knew that what was going on in class was bad. I, I trusted my teachers and they all proved worthy of that trust really until graduate school. Right. Same here. I grew up in a yeah. small town, Sleepy Eye, Minnesota. It was 3,000 people. I didn't have one teacher that I knew that was being stupid or anything. I graduated in 99. Uh, my teachers were amazing. I never heard one time a lack of quite the opposite. Yeah. I had Hispanic ladies teaching Spanish that were like, are you coming to school on time? You know, like they were like <laughs> my moms, you know, and like uh, my math teacher, my algebra teacher was always on me about getting good grades and never did I feel like we were being indoctrinated. And then all of a sudden you get to bigger cities and it's like, man, there <laughs> it's, 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 it's prevalent. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, I was, was Spanish by a, a, a Cuban immigrant, and uh, uh, yeah, my my teacher, Tom's River, New Jersey schools, very good. I hope they still are. No kidding. You got any more questions? I'm good. I, I don't think so. No, I pretty much answered. Okay, like, I pretty much answered what she was talking okay. about. That's cool. So looking at the clock, Bonnie, um, you're awesome. Yeah, uh, gotta have any, her on again. Any, you're awesome. <laughs> you're <laughs> gotta have you on again, Bonnie. Yeah, I mean, I, please yeah. do. I'm Grace. I, like seriously, we are so honored that you're here. That you you took time for this. 
um, knowing your schedule, well, I get it. The busyness we, of life. We, we connected at a homeschooling conference and we've been going to those lately and my eyes have really been opened at the amazing. So I'm recommending to private school, public school parents. I'm like, even if you're not going to homeschool, go look at the resources that are available yes. there and supplement. Right. They have so, got some amazing content. That's what your representative had told me. He's like, man, this is like amazing. People actually think and they you can care. find curriculums that think and, yeah. you know, they're not all like just Christian based. Some of them are actually thinking type curriculums and he was he was admiring the fact that there were people who were of faith but yet didn't judge him or like didn't feel like they were coming across and he just liked that open dialogue he could have with people i mean it's it's pretty cool it's so interesting how humor you know it used to be that people who are christian were perceived as being humorless and judgmental and it's really interesting how humor has shifted to the you know sort of the right christian and the humorlessness now on the left i find that fascinating <laughs> that lady who well, gave me dressing down was very humorless been known to tell a joke a time or two it's the authoritarians that lose all the humor they're all uptight well that was the thing you know when i said i'm no theologian but neither is the head chaplain at harvard oh that's so good can i, I use that, that i gotta use that yeah, yeah i was like it's a joke so like, it, like it, i'm sorry your sense of humor died but i was kidding <laughs> Actually, uh, incidentally, Greg Lukianoff, before I started at Fire, produced a video uh, with several comedians, and it's called Can We Take a Joke about like the death of humor. And comedians were also early uh, canaries, you know, saying things really bad in our culture. Yeah. And and they stopped going on. Aggression is through humor. Right. And they stopped going on campuses and everything. I know, uh, what was it? Seinfeld said he wasn't going to go on campuses yeah, anymore. Bill Maher. Bill Maher said he wasn't going. Bill Burr. They, they gave up because they said, well, this, nobody's, <laughs> nobody's yeah, they don't want to go there and get, la- you know, get yelled at. They want right. to go tell jokes, have a good time and leave. You know, I, I grew up in the seventies where we poked fun at everything and everybody. And it was kind of like how you made friends. It's like, can I insult you? And you laugh. Okay. We're friends now, you know, and now- <laughs> did you, have, have you seen any of those roasts that Don Rickles did? Yes, and stuff? My gosh. I mean, it was like today would be, they don't even show them. It's so taboo, but it was hilarious. Right. The, when he did the roast of uh, Ronald Reagan at his second, <laughs> oh my gosh, so good. You know, <laughs> we were laughing. And they also did Donald Trump, not which, so it was pretty recent that they roasted Donald Trump. That's uh, right. But, yeah. He was, ah, he, he was a sport about it. Well, you have to come back and have some more laughs with us, please. Uh, you can laugh at our expense, too. You're the other thing, too, to. is thank you for the hope and telling us that students yeah. are changing. I, I've been saying that we I travel a lot. I travel all over the country. I know kids are changing. Their yeah. parents are changing. That's what's exciting me. Parents are changing saying, no, we're going to stand up to this crap, and we're not going to take this anymore. So can just keep doing that. Keep doing what yeah. you're doing because parents – that don't see that, they freak out. They're like, oh my gosh, our country's going to hell in a handbasket. But it's like, no, look, we're winning. You're seeing kids change and they're the ones who are going to change it. We just got to keep supporting. You know, the whole private school world was very uh, closed to me and it's not something I'm familiar with. And suddenly I have a lot of private school friends and it's like, we suddenly have so much in common and we share the same problems. And I think that's breaking down that barrier, I think is really healthy too. Absolutely. So, Thank you so much, Bonnie, for coming on. Um, And how can we find her? How can we find your organization? So, Uh, yeah, yeah. tell us contact info, all the stuff you want people to know. Yeah, to reach us, go to thefire.org slash K12. We have downloadable curriculum materials that are standards aligned. And uh, we have all we have a free speech essay contest for high school students. We'll give away $20,000 for the best essays this year. And uh, every year, all sorts of resources. I write one. 
20 grand. I could use that. This Mexican's broke. <laughs> just she didn't say no. <laughs> Please. You have to be a high school junior or senior. No, I act like one. Doesn't that make uh, anyway. you're close enough? Just re enroll. Yeah. You need a couple more credits. But... Right, 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 right. Hey, thanks. I'm jerk. getting you back for earlier. Yeah, jerk. All right, cool. Anyways, okay. Uh, I'm hurt now. Did we get all info posted up? Yeah, right here. Yeah, it's all okay. posted. Crops right got Perfect. posted. Bonnie, thank you so much for coming in, talking Anytime. to us. So we will have you back again soon. So have a great night. We'll talk to you later. All right. Bye. Bye. Thanks. Okay, guys. So Lisa, do it then. Have them enter it. 20 grand, girl. Lisa do Keller, it. seriously. Guys, guys, enter that. Look, this a lady named Nadina. I've never I've never seen you on the podcast. Thank you for tuning in. Your comments were amazing, Nadina. Thank you so much for the comments. Uh, she was she was like, girl, preach. White is not right. <laughs> love she had it. some really cool comments. Uh, very, very cool. Uh, Lisa was really commenting a lot. You know, guys, what we love is how she came in and just ripping and gave hope. Yep. It wasn't this weird like, oh, the schools are being infiltrated. No, they're they're infiltrated. But we're taking it back. And that's like, come on. That's what we need. You know what I mean? And, and how ironic. And this is this should be a reproof to all Christians that they can come on to this group, to, to this program. And give us more hope than what you're hearing sometimes from our, from our right, churches. You're right. hearing it sometimes from our Christians. And there are some Christians that are preaching it. Listen, there are some Christians doing it. But you're seeing a lot of schools saying, oh, just Lord, I hope you come back because it's just getting so bad. Listen to what even, I'm not saying she's an atheist. I don't think she is. No, she's, but she's a Christian. Christian. You're right. But it's like when but you hear, atheists a, but the atheists it. are standing up for our rights right. to do what we're doing. You know what I mean? Right. And that's 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 why she came into this, guys, was was hope. Notice she was the one who stepped in and created a career in order to take care of a problem. And so oh, maybe Nadina, that's encouraging people to go through. Girl, right. hey, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. She said, oh, yeah, hey, yeah, I'm I, sorry. I, no, it's <laughs> cool. She's Kanye. Hey, <laughs> thank you for you're awesome. Thanks for tuning in, girl. All right, Kanye, you good? Kane. Kane, Kane West, Kane. If you don't get that joke, search Kanye and Taylor Swift. You'll you'll get the joke. Really. But anyways, so it was Beyonce that won. That's Kanye. That was the Kanye <laughs> right, right. joke. Yes, exactly. Jeez, check it out. Oh, check it out. Just crap. check out Kanye, Taylor, Beyonce. You'll get it. Anyways, so that was a dumpster fire of an end to a great interview. Bonnie, thank you so much. Which go figure. She she mentioned dumpster fire did you hear that yeah dude and you were like dumpster fire, dumpster fire. <laughs> the moment she said it that's how i knew you, you were saw it in my head i didn't did you? i was like he's gonna say it dumpster fire say i was it, so say tempted it, say it, say it, say it. i was so tempted but i didn't but now that i know that that she wants the more humor next time i'm saying it so dude how cool thanks you guys for tuning in i'm sorry <laughs> What else you got? Let's no, clear it's through. Just, I, I just like Lisa Keller said, this was great. Thanks. Yes. Hope from Amen. another English teacher. I'm not alone. Praise God. Yes. Gloria says, hey, Gloria, we are supporting you in your run for town council. Check Gloria Tucker out if you're in the uh, Jupiter, Jupiter area. Uh, that's amazing. Uh, so, we, guys, there's so much here. There's so much hope to be had. Uh, we are not losing this thing. I'm telling you. God is on the throne and he's winning. Right. All you have to do is read the book of Exodus. And I'm telling you something. It's there. God, we have answers now. We're the ones. In, we're we're. Go- if you can't believe that, why would God send us to do the impossible? I'm sorry. We're we're not done yet. We're not done. Those kids do not belong to Satan. They don't belong to the school systems. They belong to you. 
So it's time for you to take authority in your house over your kids, start praying over your kids, start blessing your house, start blessing their minds, teach them the truth and walk in it yourself so you're not a hypocrite and watch your kids flourish. I'm telling you, there is so much hope to be had in this country. We're not done yet at all. So keep standing. We're going to win this thing. I'm telling you, it's going to be worse. It's going to get darker before it gets better. So let's keep standing. Which will activate you and it will move you forward because it gets darker. So you know you have to step up. We've been asleep. It's time to wake up. So guys, don't forget, next week, Saturday morning at 9 a.m. is when we're coming on. If you tune in at 70, Sunday at 7 p.m., you can check out the recorded, but you won't be able to check out the live. So Saturday, we'll see you at 9 a.m., Thank you so much for tuning in today. Thank you so much for Bonnie Snyder for hey, coming in, representing Fire. I'm just going to say this. I'm down a shirt size, guys. There we go. I'm down a shirt size. I'm See? down a shirt size. Now, I'm still a big boy, but I'm still down a shirt size. <laughs> Keep praying for me. <laughs> All right. Until next week, Saturday, 9 a.m. Guys, we will see you next week. Goodbye. We love you. Have a good night.